Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 30. 30 is the largest number with the property that all smaller numbers co-prime to it are prime. This week is Maths History Week on the podcast. Noel M. Radshaw of the University of Greenwich, a meetings coordinator for the British Society for the History of Mathematics, tells us about Ramanujan. I'm going to begin this podcast by telling you a story. Imagine you have just gone to visit a friend in hospital. You take a taxi and happen to notice that its number is 1,729. One, seven, two, nine. Being a mathematician of some regard, you feel a keen sense of disappointment that this number doesn't seem to have any interesting properties and is distressingly dull. Still mulling on this, you mention it to your bedridden friend, also a mathematician. Your friend immediately contradicts you and tells you that, on the contrary, it is a very interesting number and is in fact the smallest number expressible as the sum of two positive cubes in two different ways. Hmm, Unusual, eh? But maybe you don't have any friends like that. But this is a true story told by the English mathematician G.K. Hardy from Cambridge concerning his friend and colleague Ramanujan. Srinivasa Ramanujan was born in Irodu, which is in the Tamil Nadu state in India, on 22nd of December, 1887. He moved, when he was a year old, to Kumbakonam, which is 240 kilometres southwest of Chennai, or Madras as it was then known. His father was a clerk in a merchant's shop. After attending several different primary schools, he began at the town high school, in January 1898. He was a serious scholar and is reported to have done well in all subjects. By 1900 he was working on his own mathematics concerning a summing arithmetic and geometric series. Having been shown how to solve cubic equations in 1902 at the age of 15, he went on to find his own method for the quartic and not knowing that the quintic was insoluble, he also tried to solve that as well. Ramanujan taught himself mathematics using a book called Synopsis of Elementary Results in Pure Mathematics by G.S. Carr. This book was rather old-fashioned even for its time, and written in a very concise style. Not knowing any better, and without any other material, Ramanujan used this to model his written work, which was not always as well received as it should have been. As a result of his good work, Ramanujan was given a scholarship to study at the Government College in Kubakonam in 1904. Sadly, this didn't last for long, as Ramanujan neglected his other subjects in order to devote more of his time to mathematics. For financial reasons, he had to leave the college but he didn't stop his mathematical studies. And although he suffered periods of ill health and had various other struggles, by 1910 he was ready to pose and solve problems published by the Indian Mathematical Society. And he was conducting research 
in complex mathematical topics such as elliptic modular equations and Bernoulli numbers. Remember, he had very little access to current mathematical thinking at the time. So despite his lack of formal university education, he was gaining the reputation of a mathematical genius in the Madras area. In 1911, desperate for a source of income, Ramanujan approached the Indian Mathematical Society for a job. It was suggested that he approach Ramachandra Ra, a founder member of the Indian Mathematical Society. Ra had this to say of his initial meeting. A short, uncouth figure, stout, unshaven, not over-clean, with one conspicuous feature, shining eyes, walked in with a frayed notebook under his arm. He was miserably poor. He opened his book and began to explain some of his discoveries. I saw quite at once that there was something out of the way, but my knowledge did not permit me to judge whether he talked sense or nonsense. I asked him what he wanted. He said he wanted a pittance to live on, so that he might pursue his researches. Ramanujan's reputation prompted a reference from E. W. Middlemast, a professor at the Presidency College in Madras. He says, I can strongly recommend the applicant. He is a young man of quite exceptional capacity in mathematics, and especially in work relating to numbers. He has a natural aptitude for computation and is very quick at figure work. Of himself, Ramanujan said, I have passed the matriculation examination and studied up to the first arts, but was prevented from pursuing my studies further owing to several untoward circumstances. I have, however, been devoting all my time to mathematics and developing the subject. This led to a post as a clerk working in an accounts department. Many of his colleagues there were mathematicians and they became interested in his research. In 1913, Ramanujan read Hardy's book, Orders of Infinity, and he wrote to him about his work. Now, he had tried communicating his ideas with other mathematicians in England before, but up to then had not received any encouragement. Hardy and his colleague John Littlewood studied Ramanujan's work, and Hardy said this in a reply to him. I was exceedingly interested by your letter and by the theorems which you state. You will, however, understand that before I can judge properly of the value of what you have done, it is essential that I should see proofs of some of your assertions. Your results seem to me to fall into roughly three classes. 1. There are a number of results that are already known or easily deducible from known theorems. 2. There are results which, so far as I know, are new and interesting, but interesting rather from their curiosity and apparent difficulty rather than their importance. And 3. There are results which appear to be new and important. Ramanujan must have been so relieved with this response. Finally, someone outside of Madras was taking an interest in his work, and he replied this, 
I have found a friend in you who views my labours sympathetically. I am already a half-starving man. To preserve my brains, I want food, and this is my first consideration. Any sympathetic letter from you will be helpful to me here to get a scholarship, either from the university or from the government. This dialogue resulted in a scholarship from Ramanujan, from the University of Madras. And then, in 1914, he travelled to Cambridge to collaborate with Hardy and Littlewood. And this led to some very important mathematical results. Ramanujan ended up staying there for five years. Initially, Hardy despaired of his new friend's lack of formal mathematical education. What was to be done in the way of teaching him modern mathematics? The limitations of his knowledge were as startling as its profundity. Ramanujan also used intuition rather more than Hardy liked. Here was a man who could work out modular equations and theorems of complex multiplication to orders unheard of, whose mastery of continued fractions was on the formal side at any rate beyond that of any mathematician in the world, who had found for himself the functional equation of the zeta function and the dominant terms of many of the most famous problems in the analytic theory of numbers. And he'd never heard of a doubly periodic function or of Cauchy's theorem, and had indeed but the vaguest idea of what a function of a complex variable was. His ideas as to what constituted a mathematical proof were of the most shadowy description. All his results, new or old, right or wrong, had been arrived at by a process of mingled argument, intuition and induction, of which he was entirely unable to give any coherent account. So Hardy asked Littlewood to help teach Ramanujan rigorous mathematical methods. However, it was extremely difficult because every time some matter which it was thought that Ramanujan needed to know was mentioned, Ramanujan's response was an avalanche of original ideas which made it almost impossible for Littlewood to persist in his original intention. In March 1916, two years after his arrival in England, Ramanujan graduated with a Bachelor of Science by Research. We now call this a PhD. But life was still not easy for Ramanujan. He suffered from the scarcity of food in England. This was during the First World War, and Ramanujan, being vegetarian, did not have the variety of food he needed for a healthy diet. He had several long bouts of illnesses, during which he was not able to publish as many papers. However, Hardy said this of his mathematical ability. There has never been any sign of any diminution in his extraordinary mathematical talents. He has produced less, naturally, during his illness, but the quality has been the same. He will return to India with a scientific standing and reputation such as no Indian has enjoyed before. 
I am confident that India will regard him as the treasure he is. His natural simplicity and modesty has never been affected in the least by success. Indeed, all that is wanted is to get him to realise that he really is a success. By the end of the war in 1918, Ramanujan was fit enough to travel and decided to make the long voyage back to India the following spring. All appeared to go well, but his health was still poor and he sadly died in India the following year. As well as his published papers, Ramanujan left a number of notebooks filled with theorems that mathematicians have continued to study and publicise. His work on the Riemann series and Zeta function is perhaps the best known and most valued. After Ramanujan's death, Hardy said this of his friend. He would probably have been a greater mathematician if he had been caught and tamed a little in his youth. He would have discovered more that was new, and that no doubt of greater importance. On the other hand, he would have been less of a Ramanujan, and more of a European professor, and the loss might have been greater than the gain. Right, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. Uh, you'll find show notes related to this episode, uh, links to other episodes, and a link to the uh, where you can become a fan of the Facebook page at www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter, if it takes your fancy, at twitter.com slash peterrowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.